Friday, April 26th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Small. We are not. We are not in Rochester. As I said that, I was like, are we close enough to Rochester to call it that? But no, not this week. Because Draft Shark Studios is, for today, in Aurora, New York, in a church that has been converted to a rental property. And it's the annual DS Draft Retreat, Jared. And this morning, my wife asked me on the phone if this place is homey or creepy. So what's your verdict on that? I haven't seen any ghosts yet. Uh, boss man Lenny saw a light flick on last night. There might be something going on. I think that was just him <laughs> contemplating the Steelers' future after right. they traded up for Devin Bush. Yep. And actually, you know, the boss man is away from here right now and left the, the credit card behind. So, I mean, are we making a mistake by talking about football yeah. instead of going out and taking advantage of yeah, that? Yeah, there, there's a brewery around the corner. So <laughs> There you go, folks. Let's get this that, over with. That's how much we care about you. We could be out doing whatever right now, but we're going to break down the first round. We did watch round one of the draft last night, just like I'm sure you all did. Um, not a lot of offensive skill guys picked, but we're going to break down each guy that was picked in that group. We'll hit on a team that might have had a sneaky good first round for fantasy purposes. Unfortunately, we have to start with arguably the biggest news of the week, and that is Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs have suspended. I don't know if they're calling it suspended. They've barred him from taking part in team things for, quote, the foreseeable future after the audio that came out yesterday of Tyreek Hill talking with his girlfriend, the mother of their child, about abusing the kid. He he seems to threaten her as well in that. It's hard to see him coming back to the team anytime soon. You know, we'll put aside how crappy a person he certainly seems to be. For fantasy purposes, it's hard to envision him playing football soon. Yeah, I mean, I hate to compare these things, but this doesn't seem much different than the Kareem Hunt situation. And, you know, that got him released from the Chiefs, suspended eight games. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with Hill. But, yeah, I think he's definitely facing a league suspension, and I think his, his Chiefs career is probably up in the air. Um, I, I, I think, you know, sort of like Kareem Hunt, some other team will take a shot on him if he is released. Mm-hmm. So if you have been holding Hill in Dynasty to this point, obviously you're kind of screwed while we all wait to see – um, what happens here for immediate Chiefs purposes, they have picks 29 and 31 in round two today. It's going to be even more interesting to see what they do with those spots because now we've got a lot of immediate opportunity available. Yeah. I mean, it was already a, a spot where there was room for a wide receiver to come in and be relevant. But now, assuming that Tyreek Hill doesn't play at all for them this season, he leaves behind a 23.5% share of targets. So 137 targets from last year's total. Behind him, Sammy Watkins was the only other guy that had more than 33 targets besides Chris Conley, who's gone to Jacksonville. He left behind 52. I mean, there are plenty of wideouts left on the board. It's certainly... It's foreseeable that they could draft somebody late in round two that could be immediately fantasy relevant. Yeah, sure. I, I thought the Chiefs were a team that was probably going to take a wide receiver relatively early, even before this, you know, latest Tyree Kill news, because you have Sammy Watkins, who you know we know he's talented. He's still young, but he can't stay on the field. Uh, Demarcus Robinson right now would be their number two wide receiver, assuming Tyree Kill is out of the picture. So yeah, I think it's a good spot for a rookie wide receiver. I think Sammy Watkins. We were talking about it before the podcast. I mean, when he's healthy, he, he's going to be ranked as you know a top. 12 to 15 wide receiver 
every week, I would think, you know, so I mean, you're looking at a wide receiver one when he's on the field, you have to expect him to miss some time. But I think, you know, he's a guy you start looking at, I'd, I'd say in the fourth and, and mm-hmm. fifth round of redraft leagues right now. Yeah. I mean, we, we regularly look at running backs, um, certain running backs, at least as per game players, you know, we know that they're going to miss some time. We'll take what they give us on a weekly basis when they're healthy. I guess Melvin Gordon comes to mind quickly for me, somebody I'll take in round one, even though I expect him to miss a couple of games. Sammy Watkins is the same way. I mean, He's coming off a season where he missed a lot of games. That that hasn't quite been the norm, and you can't. I don't think you can expect five plus missed games from a player. If he misses three games and he is a he is like wide receiver twelve or eleven in yeah. points per game, otherwise, yep. I mean that makes sense. I would say as early as round three, probably round four, more comfortably. And if he gets yeah. to round five, I mean it's. Almost a lock. And wide receiver is such an easier position to to fill if he does miss games than say mm-hmm. running back. You know, it might it might be tough to find a replacement on your waiver wire. And of course, it's even easier to take such a player now when we're in best ball season, where you're you know you're not setting lineups every week. You don't have sure. to worry about what happens to my team if I start Watkins and he gets hurt on the first drive, you know, you're going to get the next guy from your roster into that spot for those points that week. So uh, Sammy Watkins is at the very least a fifth round pick and I would be willing to take him in round four. And I would, and I would, I'm definitely adding Demarcus Robinson Mm -hmm. to my list of, uh, you know, guys to consider in the later rounds. Um, You know, even if they add a rookie, even as the third wide receiver, I think Robinson could have some value in that offense. Yeah. I mean, I think he was already on the list of maybe this guy in the, in the late rounds. Now he becomes a definitely somebody to get, um, shares of at that point. Yep. Andy Reid has already talked about liking him in previous seasons. We didn't see a whole lot of that on the field last season, but obviously opportunity has changed quite a bit recently. Travis Kelsey, by the way, is he now a round one pick? He hasn't been there uh, he, in ADP, but is, yeah, is that he, where he belongs? He, he already was for me. I mean, he, he's a guy I would consider in the late part of the first round. I, 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 know, I don't know if he gains a whole lot because it's like, you know, how much how many more targets can he see? I think I already I think had we'll him find you know, out. up into the you know, 120, 130 range. But, yeah, it definitely doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. And then I think the situation also helps running back opportunity because we talked about what they have a wide receiver, yeah. especially if Sammy Watkins gets hurt. I mean, it's only going to be more attractive to hand the ball off, throw the ball to running backs. We have Damian Williams, Carlos Hyde there. We'll see what they do in the draft at the position. I think they'll add somebody. It will be interesting to see how yeah. soon they add somebody. Yeah, and I mean, Andy Reid's offense has consistently produced, you know, top 15 fantasy running backs. So I think, you know, Damian Williams, I would consider the favorite now, but I'm not counting out Carlos Hyde here at all. I think you look back at Damian Williams versus Carlos Hyde a year ago, and everyone would have said, you know, Hyde is, is the better player. So I think he's definitely got a shot to to be the lead guy there. And Damon Williams's ADP has dipped some um, recently. I, I've seen him regularly on the board into round four, middle of round four. I'm, I've been much more comfortable taking him there. Mm-hmm. Again, at this point, if you're drafting this weekend, I would kind of, I would try to wait and see what the Chiefs do. But he's getting into a better spot, and it, there's more opportunity available for everybody. Yep. So on to the players who were actually picked last night. We talked about them on Periscope last night, but we'll dig into them further here. And we'll just go in order of how they came off the board. So we'll start with Kyler Murray at number one. There's really not a whole lot more to say about him, I think, at this point for us or anybody else. Um, You know, we talked about the track record for Cliff Kingsbury. Say what you want about him as a head coach. But his Texas Tech team scored. They ranked 17th nationally in scoring, 23rd, 5th, 2nd. 55th and 24th in his six seasons at Texas Tech. So we'll see what he does with the Cardinals overall, but there's reason to at least um, be hopeful that his team can improve offensively versus last year's terrible Cardinals offense. Yeah, my, my, my biggest concern for Kyler Murray is that offensive line in Arizona. I mean, we we saw what it did to Josh, Josh Rosen this past season. 
Um, the Cardinals allowed the fifth most sacks last season. They finished 26th in Football Outsiders adjusted sack rate. They, they've made some additions. They added Marcus Gilbert, the former Steeler. He's had trouble staying on the field, though, just 12 games played over the past two seasons. They added J.R. Sweezy in free agency, but he ranked 61st among 77 guards in Pro Football Focus's pass blocking grades last season. Um, so there's still a lot of questions for me on this offensive line. So I hope they can get that settled. I hope they add to that, you know, group in the draft later tonight. The g- good news, Murray, first in this draft class in adjusted completion rate against pressure. So, you know, he, he did prove in college. Now, he, he wasn't pressured a whole lot at Oklahoma, but he did prove, yet, you know, he, he can get it done when he is facing pressure. Now, other good news, Cody Ford, Juwan Taylor still on the board. Yeah. Both guys that were considered first-round possibilities at offensive tackle. So yep. um, there's stuff there. Certainly need to help the offensive line, but Kyler Murray, as we've talked about, ready to succeed in any in any situation, at the very least from a fantasy standpoint. He's going to run a lot. Yeah. I think a bad offensive line is only going to encourage him to run further. I'm not saying it's good for him, but it's not going to hurt his rushing volume. Uh, Kyler Murray's upside reaches into the top 12 right away. I can almost guarantee that he's going to come out too high in our projections, and we're <laughs> going to have to like, like shave some off because you know, I, I think he's going to be projected for – Four to five hundred rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll probably be okay with leaving him where he is because yeah. quarterback's so deep. Sure. Why not take a shot on somebody who? I mean, honestly, is is there? I think there's a chance that he rushes for a thousand yards as a rookie. I wouldn't bet on it, but I'm not right. saying it can't happen. He he could do it if they allow him to, like the Ravens. You know what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely in the range of outcomes. I I, I don't think they're they're not going to run that type of offense that we saw from Baltimore last season. Not but right. yeah. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, by the way, set the record for uh, QB rushing attempts while starting, what, seven (laughs) games, the final seven games of the season. Um, All right, so Kyler Murray, he's going to be good. He's going to be good in fantasy. Uh, We'll like him. We'll see exactly where he comes out. Giants at number six. I I don't think anybody besides Dave Gettleman likes Daniel (laughs) Jones. Um, You know, the issues, uh, accuracy, uh, 59.9% completions, career at Duke, uh, 6.4 yards per attempt. You'll hear folks defending him talk about how much – his receivers dropped the ball that was accurately thrown to him. But, I mean, honestly, it doesn't make up that much of a difference versus right. everybody else. So I, I think maybe he's being over-criticized to this point, but at the same time, nobody's excited. If, if there's anything to like about Daniel Jones, it's the chance that he runs the ball better than you expect, like what we got from Josh Allen last year. Right. I mean, even in adjusted completion percentage, um, a pro football focus stat that takes into account those drops, Jones was just 11th in this quarterback class. So, you know, yeah, yeah, that's only part of it. He definitely has accuracy issues. Um, Yeah, that 6.4 career yards per time, just to put that in perspective, with these other quarterbacks sort of in the mix with him, um, Kyler Murray was at 10.4, Dwayne Haskins 9.1, Drew Locke 7.9, Will Greer 9.1. So those guys are all, you know, smashing – um, Daniel Jones in yards per attempt. The the fit with the Giants and what they have now at wide receiver is interesting. I do think Jones, you know, the, the biggest knock against him is the lack of arm strength. He wasn't good on deep balls. Um, 44.4% adjusted completion rate on deep balls last year. That was 25th in this class. The Giants, though, have assembled this, you know, this group of basically <laughs> short-range slot wide receivers with, with uh, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate. I think Evan Ingram is going to play a, a big role in the passing game. You know, he, he can get downfield, but, you know, tight ends are more short-intermediate targets. So it, it seems like a good fit from that perspective. Um, but I, I'm, not, I'm not excited about Daniel Jones as a real-life guy. I think, like you said, with the rushing ability, there's a chance he provides some fantasy value for as long as he lasts as an NFL starter. Yeah, and you, I think you just talked about him as nicely as you possibly can, really. <laughs> him and the Giants. I, I mean, interesting is – not a word I would attach to them fantasy-wise. Daniel Jones is obviously not on the redraft radar, 
for 2019. Uh, we'll get to him versus some other quarterbacks um, in a few minutes. So for now, let's move on to TJ Hawkinson, who went to the Lions at number eight. And it, it, it's a good spot for opportunity. Um, for starters, though, the Lions threw just 11.5% of their passing targets, of their pass attempts at tight ends last year. That was second fewest in the league, the second lowest share for the position. Dolphins at 9.7% were the only team that had a smaller share for tight ends in 2018. But it's because they didn't have a whole lot of tight end. They went out and signed Jesse James in free agency already, a four-year deal, $10.5 million guaranteed. Kenny Galladay was the only Lion over 74 targets last year. Theo Riddick was second on the team at 74. Even with a healthy Marvin Jones, and you know we'll see how long he stays healthy for, there's lots of opportunity available. Yeah, and we, it, you know, new offensive coordinator in Detroit and Daryl Bevel. Um, you know, his his you know, the, the thing he's known for is you know he, he loves to run the ball, and I do think he's going to bring that to Detroit. But he, his last three seasons in Seattle, he had Jimmy Graham, and um, Graham finished seventh and fourth his final two seasons. Back in 2015, he missed some time. He finished twelfth in points per game. 2016 saw 16.8% target share. 2017 17.3%. Those are big target shares. And I don't think Hawkinson's going to get there as a rookie, but I think down the line, that's probably where he should settle. And I, I like this landing spot for Hawkinson. I also sort of like that there's some stability at quarterback with Matt Stafford, who, you know, seems like he's been in the league forever, but he's still just 31 years old. He signed for four more seasons. You know, I think he's a quality NFL starter. So I think that that helps Hawkinson longer term. I like the landing spot long term. I think it's going to be tough for 2019. Um, maybe Hawkinson and Jesse James fit together like Eric Ebron and Darren Fells did for the 2017 Lions. Ebron finished third on that team with 86 targets. Darren Fells saw 26. I think that's a, a realistic possibility. Not those numbers because I don't think they're going to throw the ball as much. But yeah. that kind of split. I would bet, though, on a smaller gap between Hawkinson and James. Yeah. And it's going to depend for me on where Hawkinson comes out in ADP. If, yep. he's, in, if he's at like 12 or higher... I'm out for 2019. If he's tight end 15, then all right. Yeah, 15 sounds about right. I kind of bet on him being higher, though. I think, you know, people tend to fall in love with mm-hmm. these rookie tight ends, especially when you see a guy go at eight. And we know how talented Hawkinson is. I, I, I still love him long term. I'm sure he's mm-hmm. going to settle in, you know, the six to eight range in the overall dynasty rookie rankings. But yeah, redraft, um, probably fading him, assuming he does, you know, creep into the you know top 12 tight ends in ADP. Yeah, I mean, especially with how ugly tight end is this year, I think people have been waiting for this class to come in yeah. and, and want to draft those players and see this as a good landing spot. And I think they're going to see uh, Jesse James. I'm not scared of Jesse James. C.J. Hawkinson's going to overtake him right away. But yeah. obviously the Lions liked Jesse James enough to give him a pretty significant amount of money. They're not just going to bench him outright like like when the Seahawks signed Matt Flynn and then drafted Russell Wilson. I don't think it's that kind of situation. I think this is going to hurt the volume a little bit for Hawkinson. And, and you know, again, it's going to depend on where he falls ADP. I do think that we'll see less volume for Theo Riddick, maybe less volume yeah. for the, the backfield overall, but we're going to have to see because the backfield's still a developing situation after we only got part of a season from on Johnson and right. now a new OC. Yep, yeah, yeah. I still think it's been a good off season for on Johnson, though, between Bevel coming in and adding TJ Hawkinson now. Of course, the Lions did add TJ Anderson. That, that clouds the picture a bit. Mm-hmm. But I think on Johnson, if he can stay healthy, should be the guy there. It's like I think maybe the, the thing for every Lions skill player for fantasy is – I might like him, but it's going to depend on how much everybody else likes him. Exactly. Like, I mean, Galladay, Carrion Johnson, TJ Hawkinson. I'll Marvin take Jones. All of those guys. Yeah, I'll take all those guys at some point. I think right, right. now Marvin Jones is the most likely yeah. to come to me. 
Yeah, and the, the drafts I've done, and I haven't done a draft in about a month now, but you know, earlier in the offseason, Marvin Jones was a guy I was taking, you know, eighth, ninth round, mm-hmm. whereas Kenny Galladay goes fourth round. I don't think the gap between right. them should be that big. I agree. And, of course, projections will be out soon, so you can see what we officially think uh, about the gap between those guys and where they belong. Washington at 15 took Dwayne Haskins. I think it's a good real-life move. Uh, they sat at their spot. They got the quarterback that they reportedly liked, at least, you know, some of them liked, so they're all sitting in different rooms making draft decisions. <laughs> Um, not exciting for fantasy. I was not excited about any quarterback beyond Kyler Murray heading into the draft. I am no more excited about any quarterback at this point than I was then. No, I, I agree. I do think it's a pretty nice landing spot, though. And you you mentioned that, you know, Dre Gurdon is on, you know, shaky ground in Washington. But I also said that I, I still like him as an offensive mind. Mm-hmm. Went back and looked this morning. Um, his offenses have produced a top 12 fantasy quarterback in five of his eight seasons as either a head coach or an offensive coordinator. So I, I I like this spot for Haskins if Gruden can sort of right the ship and keep his job there. Um, I think the offensive line, it was crushed by injuries last season, but I think on paper it looks like a pretty good unit. I'm not a big fan of the wide receiver core, but, you know, that that can change quickly. And there is, uh, you know, still some upside there with Paul Richardson, who they just signed to a pretty big deal. Trey Quinn, I know you like, and I think, you know, I, I do think he can be a pretty good slot receiver at this level. Yeah, I mean, there's upside to Trey Quinn. Uh, it's not uh, an exciting wide receiver group right now and I I think that hurts Dwayne Haskins immediate outlook I wasn't expecting big things immediately I think long term I think what we can hope for for Dwayne Haskins is like a Jared Goff Phillip Rivers future where he needs lots of passing yards and regularly 30 plus touchdowns to succeed and maybe he turns into that guy I don't think that they have the kind of receiving talent there for us to hope for that soon. And when you look at the quarterback position overall for redraft right now, Jared Goff and <laughs> Phillip Rivers aren't guys say. you're chasing. They're guys right. that you get later and you're like, all right, I'll take him and use him here. Right, yeah. I mean, if that's his upside, you know, that those guys are not hot commodities. You can, you can basically find that on the waiver wire. So, yeah, I, 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 as I said, I just don't see difference-making upside with Dwayne Haskins. So what about Daniel Jones versus Dwayne Haskins for a rookie draft? Yeah, I, I'm – Honestly, they'll probably be like right next to each other in the overall, but if I'm deciding between the two, I'm just going to lean towards Jones because of that rushing ability. Yeah, I think that's where I would go as well. It would be round four for me because, I, I mean, in round three, I think there are going to be receivers yeah. and running backs that I like better. Um, and I just don't – I don't think either guy is going to turn into something something special, so I'm not going to be worried about missing out. Yep. And like I said before, the rest of this class makes me even more interested in taking Kyler Murray – early taking him in the middle of round one because I think he's the the one star from this class yeah yeah we'll, we'll see how the rankings pan out when we know all these guys are but yeah I think fourth round sound sounds fair for these quarterbacks mm-hmm. uh Broncos at number 20 after moving down took Noah Fant and uh, it's a nice move for them yeah. long-term outlook we had Noah Fant at number 11 in our consensus pre-draft rookie rankings do you think the landing spot does anything to hurt his outlook on that front I don't. I think I think it's fine. I'm not super excited about it. I, I, I'd say I think new offensive coordinator Rich, Rich Scangarello probably had something to say about this pick because he was just in San Francisco the past two years as quarterback coach and saw what George Kittle did for that offense. So I, I would think you know he sort of pushed for Fant. He wants this you know stud athlete tight end to be a big part of his passing game. Yeah, I mean I I, I don't think that the landing spot hurts him at all. I think there's it, it's a good spot for opportunity. We have no idea who his quarterback's going to be. It's going to be Joe Flacco right. this year. But I don't. I wouldn't bet on it being Joe Flacco beyond this year. So we'll see. Yep. Fant, high upside player, high upside athlete. 
TJ Hawkinson, of course, a college teammate, passed him in receptions and yards in their, their shared final season at Iowa, but Fant continued to lead the team in touchdowns. Uh, he might be in a better spot for immediate upside than Hawkinson. We had no Bronco crack 100 targets last year. Emmanuel Sanders was the target leader at 98. He's coming off a torn Achilles. Frankly, I've been surprised at how high people have yeah. been taking Emmanuel Sanders so far. I'm not willing to bet on anything in particular from him right now. He'd be like a 13th rounder later pick for me. And he's yeah, I mean, that was a single digits. Yeah, I mean, that was a later season Achilles tear, too. Yeah, I think it was in yeah, December. Is I, I would be surprised if he's ready for week one. Yeah, I mean, Cortland Sutton is in, is ready to be the lead target for them. But I don't think he's the target hog kind of wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. I think we're looking at a like he's their top receiver. He's not a true number one receiver. Closer to twenty percent target share than than the twenty five plus yeah. range. Yeah, that, that sounds very. I'll be curious to do these projections for the, the Lions and, and Broncos because I wouldn't be surprised if Fant comes out higher in the two in the two thousand nineteen rankings than Hawkinson. Beyond Fant, I think Denver suddenly looks like a nice landing spot for a young quarterback between Fant. Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton. Yeah, so you know whether they, you know, take Drew Locke later tonight, take Will Greer tonight, or wait until next year's class. I think just looking ahead for for Dynasty, I think it looks like a good spot for a young guy. And even Royce Freeman and um, Philip Lindsay in the yep. backfield behind them, both rookies last year. Um, and you know, before we get too far away from this coming season, though, Broncos tight ends, despite being a lackluster group last year, did draw a solid. 18.4% share of the team's total pass attempts. Jeff Hireman is going to still play. You know, maybe he offers some target competition like Jesse James for Hawkinson. But Noah Fant's also got more downfield speed than a tight end usually does. And that can match up well with Joe Flacco at times. Last year, Flacco ranked among the top third of quarterbacks in the percentage of his throws that traveled 20-plus yards downfield, according to Pro Football Focus. It was his highest percentage since 2013, but we, I mean, we all know that that's the one thing that Joe Flacco does well is throw the ball deep. And yep. the Broncos also did a fair amount of throwing the ball deep last year. Case Keenum ranked among the top half of quarterbacks last season for the Broncos. And that was really not with a spectacular yeah. group of downfield targets. Yeah, I would say I'm not sure how much that matters with the new offensive coordinator in town. But Flacco does have some history, you know, getting big numbers out of tight ends. You, get, you sort of got to go way back. But, you know, Todd Heap, Dennis Pitta, those guys, um, you know, were, were – Flacco's favorite targets at the time, so I think there's there's some history there to lean on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I I don't I would imagine that T.J. Hawkinson will go higher ADP wise than Noah Fant. That might be the last in, piece between them in redraft for redraft. Yeah, yeah that'd be my guess. But again, I, I think they're going to come out similar in projections, and Fant might come out higher. Raiders at 24 made the expected pick, took Josh Jacobs after the highly unexpected pick at number four. I think that it's about a good as good a landing yep. spot for Jacobs as you could have hoped for if you're a Jacobs fan. Yeah, I mean, I think pretty clear path to playing. T- I mean, just the fact that he went in the first round. So I, I went back and looked at the mm-hmm. first round running backs over the past five years now and how many touches they uh, had as rookies. Saquon Barkley, 352. Rashad Penny, 94. Sonny Michelle, 216. Leonard Fournette, 304. Christian McCaffrey, 197. Zeke Elliott, 352. Todd Gurley, 250. Melvin Gordon, 217. So the average among those eight or nine guys, 248 touches. I think that you know that's that's probably a, a decent starting point for for Jacobs this season. Yeah, and I mean most of those guys were higher picks, but there sure. are some second half of the first round guys. Sonny Michelle, in. 216. I think you know that's in the ballpark. Melvin mm-hmm. Gordon was a mid first rounder. He got 217 carries. I think you know that that's the range you're going to see 
for uh, Josh Jacobs. And Sony Michelle is probably a good comparison in terms of the situation that they're going into because Sony Michelle didn't land in a backfield where he was a clear top option. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, I think Josh Jacobs is better relative to his surroundings in Oakland than Sony Michelle was oh, for sure, um, in yeah. New England last year. I, I would say for sure. I mean, you, you sort of got the pass catching guy, but you got James White in New England versus Jalen Richard in um, Oakland. And, you know, Jacobs, unlike what we've seen from Michelle so far, at least Jacobs has proven he can do stuff in the passing game. And this is just year two of John Gruden and year one of Mike Mayock. So Josh Jacobs might be the most, you know, clearly chosen by this regime player among right. those two seasons. Um, Marshawn Lynch, Doug Martin were the touch leaders last year in the backfield. They're both gone now. They leave behind 75% of last year's running back carries, 262 total from that team. The Raiders added Isaiah Crowell this offseason. They returned Jalen Richard. They returned 2018 rookie Chris Warren, who was uh, a 2018 preseason darling. There have been folks hoping that he was going to become something this year. I think picking Josh Jacobs in round one means we can forget about Chris Warren. Yep, I would think so. And yeah, Obviously not anything crazy to say, but this Raiders offense could take a big step forward this season, you know, after adding Antonio Brown, Tyrell mm-hmm. Williams, um, the offensive line. So last year, the Raiders ranked 13th in football outsiders adjusted line yards. It was a solid unit. Then they added tackle Trent Brown in free agency. Um, he finished 29th among 80 tackles in PFS run, run blocking grade. So, you know, this this O-line could, you know, be a top 10 unit this season. Josh Jacobs had already climbed into round five in ADP on play draft. I think, mm-hmm. you know, most folks were probably hoping and expecting that he would go to a situation like this and seeing even Oakland as a specific likely landing spot. Do you think he climbs higher yeah. than that? I mean, he, you think round do, three yeah. might be his final resting spot here? Yeah, I think maybe round three. I think he definitely gets into round four. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think, he's, I, I think he's a top 20 running back. And I think people might see him even higher than that. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see how the numbers come out. Right. But I, I'm curious to see how high he climbs. I think he'll be in the mix as long as he doesn't climb past the second half of round three. I mean, if we're projecting him for even say you know 230 touches, that that's going to be you know top 15 among running backs. 230 total touches yeah. or carries? Total touches. I don't know. We'll have to see I, I about that. Is, yeah. Um, he, he was easily the top running back on our board in the rookie draft rankings heading in. I think, you know, even more easily now, how high overall in rookie drafts are you taking him? It's tough to say before we see where, you know, AJ Brown, Hakeem Butler, DK Metcalf land. Um, I, I, we'll talk about Nikhil Harry, but he's still my number one guy. I think Jacobs is going to be in the mix to be the number two overall. We'll just see where those other wideouts land. Yeah, it'll be close. It helps Jacobs that not only was he the only running back in round one, but only two wide receivers went in round sure, one, yep. and one of them landed with Lamar Jackson. We'll get to that right now. Marquise Brown at number 25 in round one to the Ravens. Um, so it's a solid spot for opportunity. The departures of Michael Crabtree and John Brown leave 197 targets from last team from last year's team behind 35% of the team total. I, I'm, I think it's an okay landing spot for Brown long-term because we'll see what Lamar Jackson can become as far as 2019. I'm not interested because we have Lamar yeah. Jackson heading into his first full season starting. I don't know how well he's going to throw. I don't know how much they're going to throw. And we've got Hollywood Brown coming off a yeah. list Frank injury. Yeah, the list Frank is what scares me. Um, you know, if he gets into August and it doesn't seem like an issue, you know, I'll definitely be willing to consider Brown in redraft at the right price. I mean, we'll see. It, it, it seems to me like like people don't like this landing spot and it's sort of it you can see why you know it's obviously a run heavy offense Lamar Jackson had his troubles last year as far as accuracy goes but 
it's also a, a clear, clear path for Brown to take over as the number one wide receiver. I mean, you got Willie Sneed, Seth Roberts, Chris Moore atop the depth chart right now. So I think, you know, if Brown can can get and stay healthy this season, he'd be my bet right now to lead this team in targets. I also think that it's going to be he's going to be a frustrating player to own in sure. lineup setting leagues, though. I mean, I think he's going to be the kind of player that doesn't actually deliver you as much value as his final numbers say, because it's going to come in huge spurts and low valleys. Just the combo yeah. that they have here: a speedy rookie receiver, an inconsistent yep. young passer. And a team that's going to go run heavy, it's going to be tough. I'm curious to see, too, how big a role Brown plays in the Ravens' running game. I think, you know, with all that option stuff they do, he, he can be someone who, you know, maybe gets one to two carries per game. Love the player heading in. Uh, I, I certainly, like I said, I think it's a fine landing spot long term. I'm not going to downgrade him for this landing spot at all, especially because he's the first wide receiver off the board. But one more thing on the, on the immediacy. Lamar Jackson last year... 13 deep ball attempts, that's passes 20-plus yards downfield among 170 total pass attempts, 7.6%. That ranked 57th among 61 quarterbacks, according to Pro Football Focus. So, again, we, we already have questions about how well Lamar Jackson will throw the football. We, there's also the question of how often Baltimore will let yeah. him throw the ball deep, and that yep. hurts Marquise Brown. Although Marquise Brown's not just a yep. deep guy. He's also a good after-the-catch guy. He is, yeah. I, I, th- I talked about I think he's a better route runner than Game Crap. I, I, mean, I, I think with Brown in the fold, you're going to see the Ravens take more deep shots. And Lamar Jackson was about league average when he did go deep. Um, he finished... 27th among 45 qualifying quarterbacks mm-hmm. in deep ball accuracy rate last year. Mm-hmm. And certainly, I mean, throwing deep should help whatever they hope to do on the ground in yep. that offense as yep. well. Uh, Patriots at 32, Nikhil Harry. And, I mean... This was awesome. We're Nikhil Harry fans going in. As a Dolphins fan, I'm sure you hate it. As a Nikhil <laughs> yeah. Harry fan, you like it. <laughs> yeah, my, my uh, Nikhil Harry fandom... Uh, you know, it's bigger than my Dolphins fan right. at this point. We're all about our team. Yeah, it was not yeah, it was, our NFL it was, team. It was, nice, it was nice affirmation, I think, just to see Harry, you know, be a first round pick, mm-hmm. go to New England. And I know New England hasn't had the most success drafting wide receivers. I, mean, I, I if Bill Belichick likes a guy, that makes me feel good about the guy. Yeah. So let's get into that history of wide receivers, though. Nikhil Harry was the first. Uh, Round one wide receiver chosen by the Patriots since Terry Glenn in 1996. That obviously predated um, Bill Belichick. Uh, Since Belichick arrived in 2000, they have only taken four wide receivers in round two. Chad Jackson, Bethel Johnson, Aaron Dobson, Deion Branch. Round three, Brandon Tate and Taylor Price. Among that group, Deion Branch panned out. The rest of the group, not very good. Brandon Tate's the only guy among those two rounds that's actually still in the league. Mm -hmm. The only wide receiver picks to really stick with New England in that time since Bill Belichick, Bel- Bill Belichick arrived. You've heard of him. <laughs> Matthew Slater, Julian Edelman, Braxton Berrios, if you want to count him <laughs> from last year because he hasn't had time to not stick yet. Matthew Slater is a special teams guy. Right. Julian Edelman obviously has delivered well beyond even what New England could have expected. But yeah. New England has not done a good job drafting wide receivers. Yeah, I, I'm not going to let that that worry me off, Nikhil Harry. Like you said, you know, they haven't invested a first rounder in any of those guys. So the fact that they like this guy enough, and and Belichick or one of, one of their front office guys, you know, said they did have offers last night to trade out of that pick, but they mm-hmm. liked Harry enough to stick there and take him. So I, I think they liked the guy. I think it was it was obviously a need coming in. I mean, one of the weaker depth charts in the league. They signed Demarius Thomas, but who knows what what he has left? I think there's a big opportunity for Harry to play 
a significant role this season. 229 targets um, from the Patriots last season are gone. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of room for him here. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to let it uh, change my opinion on Harry either because mm-hmm. even though that's been a weak spot for New England, everything else has been a strong point. They've yep. done a good job um, taking away other teams' receivers, you know, Wes Welker in trade, Chris Hogan. Um, so it's not like they don't know how to find wide receivers. Sure. So, yeah, it's a good spot for Nikhil Harry, both uh, long and short term. I mean, he could be their second guy yeah. in targets this season. He, he he really should be at this point. I mean, he, he'd be my bet. When I do when I go back to my Patriots projections, you know, I think Harry will, you know, be number two and maybe see, you know, 80 to 90 targets. Mm-hmm. I think we'll dig into that today. And I, I envision Harry staying number one pretty easily in yeah. our rookie draft rankings. Yep. Um, all right, so that was it for the skill position, guys. But, Jared, there's one team yeah. that – Maybe had a sneaky good first round for um, fantasy owners. Who do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, the Falcons, they, you know, took Chris Lindstrom at 14 overall, and they trade back into the first round to take Caleb McGarry a tackle. So, you know, two pieces to the offensive line, which was already a, a good offensive line. I think, you know, it just gets better here. Um, Devontae Freeman, I'm already tossing him around as a potential uh, comeback player of the year uh, nominee. Yeah, I mean, I think he was already in that bucket of consideration to begin with. Um, the Falcons, you know, looking at offensive line stats is tricky. Last year's Falcons ranked 24th in Football Outsiders adjusted line yards, 14th in running back yards per carry. Pro Football Focus, though, ranked them fifth in run blocking grade. So mm-hmm. they were, you know, maybe they were good, maybe they were bad at it. Either way, taking two first round offensive linemen can't hurt that going forward. Um, you mentioned Lindstrom at, at guard. Last year, the Falcons had left guard Wes Schweitzer who didn't grade particularly well, hasn't graded particularly well the past two years, according to PFF, but he's a two-year starter, and he's the only one, uh, he and Brandon Fusco are the only two among the five guys who played any snaps at guard for them who are still on the roster. So clearly Atlanta was looking for a new guy to start at right guard at the very least. And then offensive tackle, Caleb McGarry, should take over for the combo of Ryan Schrader, Ty, Ty Sombrello at that position last year. Right. Yeah, and the two stalwarts there, you have Jake Matthews at left tackle still. He was um, the 10th best tackle in football according to PFF grades. Then you have Alex Mack at center, who was the number three center in PFF grades. So again, not, I mean, on paper, this this looks like a top 10, top five offensive line. Yeah, and we'll see what, the, what Atlanta does going forward. I think that they should take a running back at some point. It might be telling how soon they take one, but mm-hmm. if they take a running back that I like in round four, um, that's not going to worry me for Devontae Freeman as much as it will confirm to me that Ito Smith is not anything special. Right, yep. All right, what do you want to see on day two of the draft for anyone listening before the second round begins? So I think, I mean, we've both done the Tampa Bay Bucks projections and, you know, ha- had to give, you know, 300 carries to, you know, some combination of Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones. So I want to see the Bucks take a running back either in round two or round three. Darrell Henderson would be nice. David Montgomery would be my priority. I think you know he's he's ready to step in right now as a three-down back and what I think should be a top-ten offense this season. I want to see Daryl Henderson go in round two, and I want to see no other <laughs> running back go in round two because I want the NFL to confirm to me what I already believe, that Daryl Henderson <laughs> is well ahead of anyone else in this class, including David Montgomery. Yeah. I agree that the best landing spot for the fantasy outlook is, would be the Bucks with the seventh overall pick in the second round. I think some sneaky spots could be Jacksonville at six, Buffalo at eight. Not so much for immediate value, but I think in both of those cases, you could see a veteran get hurt 
at some point in the season, whether it's Leonard Fournette or LaShawn McCoy, Daryl Henderson step in and, and get the spike in touches and then show the team that they can't go yep. back to the old guy once the old guy gets uh, healthier. And I'm not calling Leonard Fournette an old guy, but I, I think in terms of how Jacksonville feels about him at this point, <laughs> they're ready for somebody to um, yeah. validate their lean toward moving on. And, and Buffalo, can you imagine like Henderson in training camp running alongside like Frank Gore and uh, LaShawn McCoy? The, the young guy would just you know be running circles around the old, the old dudes. It, it would be a good spot to learn, though, especially from Frank sure, Gore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we could go watch him at St. John Fisher. Yeah, that would be, be fun. I, I do think Hender- I, I think it's Henderson versus Miles Sanders to be the next running back off the board. I, I do, I'm, I'm sort of worried that Montgomery's going to fall, and I hope it's not you know too, too deep into like the fifth or sixth round. I will be... I will be disappointed in an NFL team that takes Miles Sanders ahead of Daryl yeah. Henderson. I don't. I honestly don't think they're close in terms of prospects. But you know, we'll see what happens. I'm certainly no uh, no <laughs> aged scout. You're not. That's going to do it for this round one recap edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now for all the shark bites treatments of every pick so far and each fantasy relevant selection yet to come, both on offense and on defense. We will then be refining our rookie draft rankings, posting those within the next few days. Closely behind that will come our full 2019 projections that we've been talking about here. Our MVP board will be ready to go with that. It's all going to hit the site earlier than ever. Make sure you're a DS Insider so that you're ready to jump in right away. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShopDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shaft saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 